started and grown several multi-million dollar businesses. His mission is to help you do the same. Welcome to the Business Growth Pod, building the future one entrepreneur at a time. You don't have to learn everything all at once. You need to find your weakest point and learn to move that up to the same bar as everything else. It's You don't need to be you know, an expert in everything, I think, as an entrepreneur, especially as an owner. You don't need to be an expert because you're going to hire the experts. That's the goal of employees is to hire people smarter than you who can work for you and tell you the next good steps to take. Uh, those people who have those specialties. But like we said, you have to understand enough. So finding those weak points along the way and just learning enough to get it to that next level, you'll slowly start to develop that knowledge, I think, to really understand your business as a whole. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Alan. I'm a family man, an attorney, and an entrepreneur. Each week, we provide resources and advice to help build your business. Are you ready? Then let's go. Everyone, welcome to the show today. My guest is a former police officer. He's the co-founder and COO of Mansion, which is a top-selling men's jewelry line. And he's just an overall good guy. And I think we have a lot to learn from him today. And I have some ideas about where this is going to go, and I'm very excited about it. So anyway, welcome to the show, Tori. How's everything going? Going well, going well. Got some good weather out here in Denver this week, so you know, can't complain. So thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about what you've done in your professional career, where you're from, what led you from you know, being a police officer into starting a business and things like that. Yeah. So I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I grew up in Glendale, actually, if you know where that's at at all, where the Cardinals play and stuff like that. So I grew up there my entire life, 27 years in Arizona. I wanted to become a police officer basically my entire life. My dad was a cop for 30 years, so kind of followed in his footsteps. So when I was 24, I became a police officer for the Glendale Police Department, went out there And during that time, you know, I loved being a cop and everything like that. I always have this competitive drive and always kind of wanted to, you know, take this next step into entrepreneurship. Spoke to my best friend at the time, Faras, and also the other co-founder. Spoke to him and we wanted to take the jump. And in early 2000 or late, actually, 2017, we decided to start a men's accessories brand, men's jewelry brand, which is now Mansion. Awesome. So what is it like having a partner, having a business partner? What are some of the goods? What are some of the bads? I have a lot of goods, thankfully. I've got two partners, actually, which is awesome. I have another partner named Yorgi, who joined us a little later in the journey. But I've been lucky that both my partners are friends first. And I was originally a little worried about it, you know, thinking there could be some issues there. But, you know, they're both very level-headed and we can always, you know, bounce ideas off each other. And if we don't agree, everyone can take that feedback pretty well without getting upset with each other. You know, I'm a data-driven person. I'm not very creative. I don't make any of our designs, so I can't take any credit for that. So having those two guys on the other side of the fence has helped us a lot, helped us tremendously. We'd be nowhere without those two. So, you know, without partners, I don't think I would be nearly to the stage that I'm at now if I'd even still be doing this (laughs) at all. Yeah. And I get that a lot. I have quite a few different business partners in the different industries that I'm involved in. 
And I always hear people ask me like, how's it working with partners? Because I've never wanted to have a partner. I've heard it's terrible. I hear you just fight all the time and disagree. And that's the thing is that it's tough, man. It is. I'm type A. I like to have my way and, and things like that. But I, like you, would not be anywhere close to where I am professionally in my businesses without my partners. They add so much in ways that I can't. They have skill sets that I just don't have. And I could have maybe found somebody that I could have paid to fit into those positions, but it would have been completely different. There wouldn't be the passion. I wouldn't have this, you know, ongoing partnership that, you know, my partners don't stop like an employee would when they clocked out or whatever. And so that's awesome that you guys have had that type of success. And it's been, what did you say about four years now that you've been in business? The idea came in 2017 and we launched an Indiegogo or a crowdfunding campaign in early 2019. So our first full year of business was actually last year, 2020. But yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, having partners and having someone who can kind of humble you too at certain points, you know, when you're a little off your rocker, you know, maybe you're like, hey, you know what, we should spend X amount of dollars on, you know, XYZ. They're like, you're insane. And, you know, that might stir up that fight, but an employee is not going to tell you that. They're going to just let you do what you right. want to do. And, you know, those partners can help you from making mistakes. We still make mistakes. Uh, it definitely happens. But, you know, those mistakes are far less and few in between having partners, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. So tell me a little bit about, you mentioned that you're not really in the design aspect of the business. Tell me a little bit about what your role is and how that role has developed since you guys first started. Yeah. So, you know, originally my role was just form a company with someone. So me and Faraz came up with that and, you know, started mansion, started drawing on paper, kind of what we wanted to do. And it actually came from a document called Water Bottles. Uh, and it actually stemmed from Hydro Flask. I don't know if you're familiar with Hydro Flask, mm-hmm. but yeah, sure. Yeah. They were formed in 2009. And then we were like, these people can recreate, you know, water bottles or thermoses and basically just form it into a $100, $200 million company. So my initial role was obviously, you know, just kind of build up the business. And now it's turned into, you know, data, logistics and stuff like that. And I have no background. I have no college degree or anything like that. No business, you know, previously. And so I actually learned Facebook ads on my own through YouTube. I like to call it YouTube University. So I still use that to this day to, to learn and stuff like that. And so I learned Facebook ads on my own. I learned how to do that because it was too expensive to hire someone else. And that was basically my role for the last year was, you know, trying to scale us through Facebook, logistics, all that kind of stuff. And actually next week we hand off our Facebook ads and I no longer do it. Uh, We're going to an agency. So my role is going to develop again next week, actually. So continues to change. That's awesome that you taught yourself that. And it's actually going to be very helpful, even though you're handing that off because, it's a lot more difficult for that agency to kind of let stuff slide because you know so much about it now. And digital marketing agencies, at least in my experience, you have to keep your eye on them. You really do. They require management. And it's nice that you're going to be able to free up some of your time. But that experience of learning Facebook ads, that's huge, man. That's, you know, that's going to help you just kind of keep track of everything. You understand it. And when you understand something, it's a lot easier to manage. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's been priceless for us, you know, and to be able to not have to pay someone for the last year to do that has been, you know, huge. those digital marketing companies, they can get expensive real quick, Very 10% expensive. of sales, 10% of ad spend, you know, it adds up pretty quickly. So that's been nice to manage that cash flow and really, you know, invest that in other places in the business. Yeah, love it. And 10% honestly isn't bad. I've yeah, I've paid more than that. So that's awesome, man. So what yeah. was it about Facebook ads? Why why did you guys decide to go that route as opposed to some other, you know, form of digital marketing or social marketing, social media marketing? Why Facebook? Yeah, I think there's a couple of companies who we kind of modeled our business after and it would probably be I think Movement Watches is the first one. I don't know if you're familiar with yep, them. Jake familiar Kassin. with them. Yeah, Jake Casson, Kramer LaPlante. They kind of formed the beginning of e-commerce, in my opinion. And we kind of modeled after them. They did the Indiegogo campaign. They crushed it. I think they did like 300,000 over two campaigns compared to us. And then uh, Pure Vita bracelets as well. Griffith, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but they came in too. And they did the same exact model and they crushed it with Facebook ads. It was a little different back then. Obviously, your cost per acquisition was a lot lower. There wasn't everybody on the platform like there is now. But it was just something where we knew we could control it. You know, with influencers and stuff like that, you don't have as much control. You're depending on other people. So we knew if we went the Facebook ads, the Instagram ads route, we knew we could monitor this data and say, hey, we can change XYZ to get this result or, you know, whatever it needs to happen. We were in total control of that. So what was your first step in learning about Facebook ads? It sounds like you had this awesome experience being a police officer and you know you didn't really get a degree from a university in digital marketing or whatever. What was your first step, man? And was it daunting? Did you at times feel like, you know, nervous whether you could handle it? Yeah, so funny enough, we actually hired a guy. We were like, "Hey, we're giving, we're going to give this a 30-day run." He was like, "We'll do other to for 2000 bucks a month. And we were paying everything out of pocket. And we were like, this is too expensive. Someone's got to learn it. I'm going to take it on. And the way I took it on was not with our own cash, actually. I actually went on Indeed and I started finding jobs who needed Facebook advertisers. And I would reach out to these companies and say, hey, I'll do it for one third of the price that you're asking for if I can work remote. So I was working a full-time job and I was doing these like side jobs with other people's money to try to learn Facebook ads. That's awesome. So it was a little hacky, a little growth hacky to learn because we need to learn with someone someone else's money because we didn't have the money to learn. And luckily I didn't perform too bad for these companies because whatever I need to learn, you know, you go on YouTube right away and you're like, hey, how do I do lead generation on, you know, on Facebook ads? How do I do this on Facebook ads? You can learn it very quickly. It might have taken me more time, but that was my first initial step. And I was, to be honest, I was scared out of my mind that I was just going to lose thousands of dollars for these people, but it worked out okay. And uh, we're in a good position now. So it's, it's been great. That's awesome that you, I mean, that's a great idea because the best form of education is actually doing something. I have an advanced degree that I don't use very much anymore. <laughs> and I'm actually not a huge proponent of like higher education. Unless you want to be like a veterinarian or some specific job that requires a degree, that's different. But especially for entrepreneurs, they ask me a lot, hey, should I go to college? And I get the question, hey, are you going to tell your kids to go to college? And I think that depends because there's so much information out there. You can learn so much. I didn't know much about corporate finance 
until I started a business and it became very relevant to me. And I've taught myself corporate finance, you know, at a level where I know more than somebody that's graduating in a degree, at least on the applicability side, right? How it's applicable. So give us a couple of tips. I wasn't going to, I wasn't planning on going this direction, but give us a couple of tips about, you know, what somebody can do in social media marketing or, or just a couple of things that you learned super early on with Facebook. Okay. So super early on in Facebook, I would say when you don't have a lot of money to spend, one thing to do is there's a thing called Facebook ads library. You can actually see what other companies are running. It just came out about two, three years ago. And you can go on there and you can view your competition. You can see what they're, they're doing. And we still do this. We did this early on. We still do this now. You know, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. So learn from your competitors. If you see them doing something and they're repeating that process with multiple ads, it's obviously working for them. Try not to copy it exactly. You do whatever you want. There's no guidelines on it, you know, but if it's working for them, try to do something very similar to that because why spend $10,000 trying to learn what's working? Just copy what they're doing and don't reinvent the wheel and try to do it better. That's one good tip. And then the second good tip I would say is consolidate things. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try to do hundreds and hundreds of things at once. I still struggle with that problem. To this day, I try to do too much, try to test too many things. Keep it simple. Just like everybody says in business, everybody who's heard of KISS, keep it simple, stupid. It is something that is applicable to all things in life, including Facebook ads. Keep your prospecting campaigns, your re-engagement, retargeting. Just keep your three funnels. Keep it clean. Don't overcomplicate it. That's the biggest thing with Facebook. and get very complicated very quickly if you let it. I love this concept of not reinventing the wheel. I think everybody tries to do something different or get super niche or whatever. And there's ways to do it the right way. But if somebody's already paved the path, then, you know, why not kind of go after what they've already done? But the question is, how do you know who's been successful with it and who hasn't? Does Facebook let you know that? Let's just say, for example, Movement Watches, we brought them up earlier. They're a company that we could look at and say, hey, These guys are growing. You can see by their social media growth, how fast they're growing. You can see by influencers, they were growing very quickly. How many ads they're running, it'll tell you they're maybe at 30 ads one month and next month they're running 150 ads. You're like, hey, these guys are growing quickly. You can always tell when these companies grow fast. And it's also, what companies do you look up to? What companies do you like? I love Cuts Clothing with Steven Borelli. I love Pure Vita Bracelets. You know, There's lots of good companies out there that you can look up to. And also some of these companies get bought out for, you know, movement sold for a hundred million up front and a hundred million on the back end with performance bases. Once you see that, you're like, Hey, they're doing something right. We should probably model yeah, some sure. stuff after them and start doing the right thing. So, you know, just like anything, any type of business you're in, whether it's real estate, whatever, there's always people and mentors you can look up to and, you know, try to copy what they're doing, you know, reinvent it a little bit, do it, do it better if you can. But like you said, no need to pave a new path. Yeah, exactly. And I think when we in business, we can learn basic business principles or concepts and then kind of add our twist, add our little idiosyncrasies or add our little details to kind of give it flavor or to match our mission or our core values with while keeping those, you know, those rock principles, those solid principles in place. What's the difference between did you guys do? Facebook ads for both lead gen to get followers and and what's kind of the mindset 
between those two different avenues? Yeah. So funny enough, I still work a full-time job and do lead gen. So I actually do lead gen for a company still in 35 countries they advertise and lead gen is very different for us specifically. We did lead gen when we did our Indiegogo or crowdfunding campaign. We did it terribly. We didn't even raise over like $7,000, but it was enough to get our foot in the door and order our first set of products, which is all we were actually going for. So it worked out for us. We don't do it anymore. Now it's just conversion campaigns across the entire platform. We're trying to get you know sales left and right. That's all we care about for the most part when it comes to Facebook ads. The next big thing is like your reach and you know getting your brand out there, your brand awareness. And that is something where we're starting to really dive into influencers, starting to you know market with other companies and do that kind of stuff. But Facebook ads for that kind of stuff is getting kind of watered down. We see a Facebook ad every three. If you ever go down on Instagram, every three is a sponsored post. It's too much. We've become in tune to just kind of swipe by it. So right. you know, those influencers mean so much and that trust value comes in. So lead gen's kind of dead in the e-com space, in my opinion. Gotcha. So tell me a little bit about the mentality of, hey, I'm going to teach myself this. I don't know anything about it. With entrepreneurs, they'll get into a business a lot of times because they're familiar with the industry, right? My first business was in pest control and home services. I was an attorney. And so I had to learn all these things about the pest control industry. You know, most people, they're technicians or they're already working in the industry and they have to learn about business, right? They have to learn about accounting and they have to learn about hiring and they have to learn about, you know, risk management, all these things. And so, that's one thing that stops people from starting a business is they're they're afraid of the unknown. So, I mean, I'm impressed with you. I think that's awesome that you're just like, you know what? Facebook ads, let's go. Because I've dabbled in social media marketing and you got to be careful because you can lose money real quickly. So tell me about that mentality. Was there ever a point where you're like, hey, I don't know if I can do this or this seems, you know too nuanced for me or for you? Did you just say, Hey, I'm going to learn it. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I think I've always kind of had that mentality. I think it kind of comes from my parents, to be honest. And a lot of it is just that competitive drive, I feel like, and always wanting to learn whether I'm in business or whether I'm in something else, I want to learn. I want to be better, whatever I do. And so for me, learning Facebook ads was just one small part. I had to learn logistics. I had to learn about jewelry. How does how do you plate 18 karat gold? How is 925 sterling silver you know, made? What's inside of it? All these kind of things you have to learn. And I'm still doing that to this day. I wouldn't even say it's just me. I'd say it's all three of us, me, Yorgi, and Faraz all take this kind of approach to things as we know we could hire someone to do our customer service. We're a multi-million dollar company. If we wanted to hire someone to do customer service, we could. But we still act like customer representatives. And we are the only three people who answer customer service emails because we want that feedback. We could offload our social media, but we wanted to learn how do hashtags work? How does the insights work? How does all this stuff work? Logistics, all these things. We wanted to learn as much as we could and get up to par where we could understand enough where when we do offload this to someone else, which is about the point we're at right now, we're offloading a lot of things that we can give them feedback. And we can also understand what they're telling us and not just saying, hey, you're the expert, go run with it. If I hand it off, like you said earlier, Alan, if I hand it off Facebook ads and someone comes back and says, hey, we're doing a great job. You have a two row ads. We're like, okay, perfect, great. Keep running because I don't know enough. But now at this point, I can push back and say, hey, we want to be better here. We want to be better there. And so I think it's just a lot 
of, you know, you're going to continue to learn in business. And if you stop learning in business, your business is probably going to die. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that when you're a business owner, when you're an entrepreneur, you're not just learning new things. You're also learning about things that are changing, right? So your industry is going to change just because the world is in constant flux, right? We experienced a lot of this with COVID. All of us had unique issues that I don't care how prepared you are. You were not prepared for that. It hasn't really happened in our lifetime. And the reaction to it, we can't really control. A lot of the regulation that came out, we didn't have any control over. And I love the saying that if you have more than 30% of the information or whatever the cliche is, then you're already too late, right? And so that's why it's so important for an entrepreneur to be in a position where they can evolve and they can continue to learn new things. Now, I think that's really intimidating for some entrepreneurs. Some, they don't want to have to learn everything. What are some things that they can do so that they don't have to learn about every facet of a business? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is always trying to find your weakness in a business. We actually do this quite a bit. So we have monthly reviews and we get on and we say, what's our biggest point that we're lacking? What's our weakest point of our structure? So our logo is actually a triangle. And we always try to, we always refer back to our triangle because it's the strongest polygon. I don't know. It just happened to be that way. And we always say, what's the weakest point of the triangle? So we'll say, hey, you know what? Right now it's social media. Our engagement's not high enough. Or right now it's Facebook ads. Our sales aren't where we want to be or our conversion rate, XYZ. You don't have to learn everything all at once. You need to find your weakest point and learn to move that up to the same bar as everything else. It's You don't need to be you know, an expert in everything, I think, as an entrepreneur, especially as an owner. You don't need to be an expert because you're going to hire the experts. That's the goal of employees is to hire people smarter than you who can work for you and tell you the next good steps to take. Uh, those people who have those specialties. But like we said, you have to understand enough. So finding those weak points along the way And just learning enough to get it to that next level, you'll slowly start to develop that knowledge, I think, to really understand your business as a whole. I think that's a great point. Focusing on areas, it's kind of low-hanging fruit, right? If you're focusing on areas that are, you know, relatively weak, then you know you can improve so much faster, right? It's like somebody that doesn't go to the gym, haven't been to the gym in five years, they're going to make more noticeable improvements over a shorter period of time than somebody that's been going every day, six days a week for the last five years. It's just the way that works. One issue I might have with that is how do you stay positive? Entrepreneurs have to be positive. They have to be optimistic. How do you do that while you're kind of focusing on your weaknesses? Honestly, I think the biggest thing that probably keeps me positive when things are kind of going bad is my partners, which we spoke about earlier. It's, yeah. you know, if, if you see if one of your partners is having a really rough time because their main focus, let's say, you know, Yorgi's our, our creator, our designer, let's say he's really struggling with getting a design the way he wants it, the, the plating's not coming out, or the durability of the product isn't where he wants to be. He might drop his head and me and Faraz need to come in and step in and, you know, tell him, hey, you know what, it's good. What can we help you with? You know, we might not be the experts here, but what can we do to help you out? And vice versa, if I'm struggling on Facebook ads, like I did in Q4 of last year with 
you know, with COVID going on and, you know, all the holidays, politics and everything affected Facebook ads. I was like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I'm not the best. And they're like, Hey, you're good. Keep going. You're good. You're good. Those partners help keep you positive throughout those tough times. And like I said earlier, and like you said, I don't think we'd be nearly where we're at right now if it wasn't for those other people lifting me up along the way or vice versa. Yeah. I think that's another benefit of having partners is you have somebody to help you shoulder the load and not just the workload, but the emotional load of being an entrepreneur. And it's somebody that cares as much as you do. And so it's nice, man. It's nice. I don't vent to my employees really ever. It's not something I do, but I'll call one of my partners and be like, you know what? I'm having a bad day and I'm pissed. And usually my partner's like, Hey dude, we're good. We did, you know, we hit, ABC metrics. And, you know, we're on, we're doing great for this quarter. Our projections are right in line with, with our goals. And, you know, it's nice having somebody that is kind of bearing that burden with you. That's definitely true. I think you're spot on there too, Alan. Like you don't want to complain to your employees and you, you know, your significant other doesn't want to hear about it. Your friends don't want to hear about it all the time. So that partner who has that emotional investment as well can really understand where you're coming from because they've been in that position at some point. You've had to do the same for them. So you're spot on there. Yeah, hundred percent. We've got to wrap up here pretty soon, but I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about excellence or success. What is your definition of high achievement or excellence? And how do you go after it? What do you do to kind of get to that level? Yeah, I think for high achievement or excellence, for me personally, the way I look at it is if I'm drained at the end of the day, if I feel like I've given my all six days a week, I take Sundays off, I need to have a little chill day. One day a week, I don't answer customer service and stuff or work on Facebook. But the rest of the time, if I'm not at the end of that day, know that I gave my all or if I slack on something, I try to look at things day by day or week by week. I don't look at the huge picture because if you look at things months at a time, it's you know it can be exhausting to look at how far a goal is away. So I just try to manage day by day. If I can complete all my tasks, I, I'm a sticky note guy. I put sticky notes everywhere. If I can manage all my tasks on that sticky notes, then I achieve my excellence for that day. And doing that day by day and week by week is going to add up to, you know, that high achievement and that high excellence and those long-term goals that you set for yourself. Nice. I love it. All right, Tori. Well, where can people find more about you, more about Mansion, more about all the great things that you guys are accomplishing? Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram at Mansion, M-A-N-S-S-I-O-N. It stands for man on a mission, actually. So we took those two words, combined them together. So it's Mansion with two S's. Same thing, mansion.com. You can find us on there. Come sign up for the newsletter. You can learn more about the business along the way. We like kind of sharing interesting facts and kind of how we started. And, you know, we appreciate uh, the time being on here, Alan. All right. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Tori. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a rating. And for daily inspiration and business tips, follow Alan on Instagram. Until next time, remember, we build the future one entrepreneur at a time.